Good morning. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here on this uh, wonderful day, this Sunday that we celebrate as a nation, our Independence Day. We remember uh, July 4th, 1776, um, when America declared her independence from tyranny and oppression. And uh, we thank God for that. We thank God for all those founding fathers who, who love God and love their countrymen and loved freedom. And that's why we're here uh, today. We're able to experience what we experienced right here in America. So, Lord, we just ask that you bless this country. We pray that, God, you would have your way in this country, uh, that people will turn to you in faith, that they follow after you. And uh, what a powerful uh, day to be able to be with your family, to celebrate this wonderful day uh, with your loved ones. I want to read to you real quick as we're going to start today, but something from uh, John Adams. He wrote to his wife, Abigail. He wrote this letter uh, concerning the nation's Independence Day. Look what he writes. It will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I am amped to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as a day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be, a, it ought to be solemnized with uh, pomp and parade, with shoes, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is more than worth all the means and that posterity will triumph in, the, in that day's transaction, even although we should rue it, which I trust in God we shall not. What an awesome thing. So, man, it is right to celebrate America, celebrate uh, our nation's independence, rejoice and be glad um, because we're able to, to be free people, to enjoy the freedom uh, that many around the world still don't have today. And so, Praise God for that. Give God thanks because it was because of God's grace and his providence over uh, our nation that we were able to uh, break the chains of, of bondage from Great Britain at that time. So we thank God for that. And uh, we pray that uh, God will have his way uh, in this nation. Um, let's pray as we get ready to get in the word of God this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for uh, waking us up this morning, for giving us life, for giving us the gift of eternal life. And Lord, we thank you that we're born here in this country where many are not able to do what we're doing right now, are not able to freely speak in the name of Jesus, are not really free to worship you how they see fit, as, see, as they see in the word of God. And so, Lord, I thank you for this blessed nation. And I pray, God, for America. I pray that the people of this country will return to the Lord. I pray, God, that you would grant people repentance all across this land from, from each side, Lord God, that people would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, that revival will come to your church, oh God, that you will restore 
our faith, Lord, that our people will return to the faith of our fathers, O God, that they would turn away from idols and idolatry and the wickedness of this world system, and they would return to the Lord God, and we would see you heal our land. I pray, God, it would begin with us, the church of Jesus Christ, that we would repent, that we would turn away from sin and put our trust in you and to put our hope in you and to trust you and to proclaim your gospel to our neighbors. Lord, that's not only uh, can we celebrate freedom from physical chains, Lord, but we could be, we are, we want to give the greatest miracle and the greatest freedom that a man can have is a freedom from sin and death. And so, Lord, we pray that this gospel will be taken all over this country and around the world to set men free from sin and death because it is for freedom that you came, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Uh, so if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 7. That's where we're going to be today. We've been uh, in the book of John, and um, today we're going to continue there, and we're going to read how Jesus uh, used an annual Jewish festival to reveal His glory. You know, one of the things that God has been revealing to me as I've been going through this scripture, uh, through this uh, book of John, this gospel, how everything is revolving around Jesus revealing his glory to people. Jesus talking about who he is and, and declaring his glory. He's, he's sharing with people who he is. And so, um, and again, as you remember, if, if you've been following and been watching, you've been listening, uh, this came from John chapter 2 when Jesus was at that wedding and he performed the miracle of turning water into wine. Remember that? And it actually says there, John says this was the first of, of, of the miracles that he would use to reveal his glory. And so Jesus had been doing these things. He's been declaring the, the, the gospel. He's been declaring who he is. He's been performing miracles, signs, and wonders to reveal who he is. And so he's going to use this festival um, that is, is about to take place. It's approaching that time of the festival. It's, it's one of the three festivals uh, written in Leviticus that are to be observed by the uh, the Hebrew people by the children of Israel, they were to observe this for generations. This was not just, uh, you know, at that time in the Exodus time, but it was for all generations to be observed every generation, every year it was to be observed. It was perpetual. And um, so while we were looking at this, uh, while I was reading this passage this week, I really started to consider and to really ponder what was going on. Because, you know, sometimes you read the Bible and you go by through things and you, and you, and you go quickly. And sometimes you, you don't take the time to really look at things. Well, uh, let's just, just start for a minute here and then we're going we're gonna, to uh, stop here. And, and it's going to mention what this festival is. It says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go into Judea because the Jewish leaders were, uh, there were looking for a way to kill him. But... But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here. For you any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to the, this festival because my time has not yet fully come. 
And he said to and he and he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus, asking where he is. And so, real quickly, so here's a time Jesus is in Galilee, and he's, he's there with his disciples, and his brothers are, are there, obviously. And, and so there's a moment here where uh, they're coming, approaching this festival, and we're going to get a little bit into what the brothers were doing. That's where we're going to end today. We're not going to go any further because there's so much to uncover here. But I really want to kind of go to this point here, a time of remembrance. This festival was called the Festival of Tabernacles. Um, and Easton's Bible Dictionary gives us some, some uh, definition of what this was, why this, what was the point of this festival. And I want to read a little bit this, of this to you. It says, the Festival of Tabernacle is the third of the great annual festivals of the Jews. In Leviticus 23, 33-43, you're going to see this. It is also called the Feast of Ingathering. Uh, that's found in Exodus 23, 16 and Deuteronomy 16, 13. It was celebrated immediately after the harvest in the month of Tisri. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry, I'm not Hebrew. And the celebration lasted for eight days. Uh, we can find this in Leviticus 23. It's, it's for seven days, and then the la another day was for just consecrating, was like a Sabbath. Uh, during that period, the people left their homes and lived in booths formed of the branches of the trees. And so there were things that were taking place. They, they were to celebrate this time. And um, I want to go with you over there to Leviticus. I want you to see this festival. I want to read it to you. Because I think it's important that when, you know, when we talk about these things, we look at what's going on. Because, uh, you know, again, many of us are not Jewish and we, we didn't come from a Jewish background. So to, to hear terms like festival, tabernacle, the Passover means nothing to us as Gentiles because we don't know anything about that. We didn't grow up in an Orthodox uh, Jewish home. We we don't understand these terms, so it's important that we go back and we look in the Old Testament to find out what was this about? Why, was, why did God institute this feast? Why did he call, want the people to celebrate in this moment? So let's take a look at why this has happened. In Leviticus uh, chapter 23, we're going to look at verse 15, and we're going to start there. Um, and and, and, and we'll, we'll go on here. It says here, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, wrong one, 33, verse 33, I apologize. I, I was looking at the wrong thing. So, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's festival of tabernacle begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly, do no regular work. For seven days... Present food offerings to the Lord, and on the eighth day hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is the closing special assembly to do no regular work. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord. The burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath, in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed, and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. Let's go on here. 
So beginning with the fifteenth day of the seventh month, after you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of Sabbath rest, and the eighth day also is a day of Sabbath rest. On the first day you are to take branches from the luxurious trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Celebrate it in the seventh month. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters. So your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses announced to the Israelites the appointed festivals of the Lord. So, uh, you know, we've, we see here there, there are two things that are going on here. Uh, some things that we find in Leviticus, why he instituted this. It was, a, 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 it was to be a time of remembrance of how God was with them through the wilderness experience. Okay, uh, let me bring you to speed here. In Exodus, God delivered the children of Israel when they were in bondage to the Egyptian empire. They were in bondage to Pharaoh. They, they served hard labor as slaves to the Egyptian people. And God delivered them. He sent Moses and delivered them without a fight. Isn't that awesome? They didn't have to lift up a sword. They didn't have to do anything. God began to judge the gods uh, of, of Egypt, and he began to, to declare who he was to Pharaoh. Why? So that Pharaoh and the entire world will know that he is God and there is no other. And he begins to, to judge all the things that Egypt trusted in, all of the gods that they worshipped. And, and, of course, we saw the, you know, you see the things. If you don't know, go back and read the book of Exodus, and you're going to see how God judged Egypt and how he he uh, brought them out so the people left there and they were supposed to go to the promised land right but in the midst of going to the promised land there was a wilderness there was a time that they were going to be there and they stayed in the wilderness longer because of the unbelief of us of the first generation that came out of there but nonetheless this was instituted why so that they could remember how God provided for them while they were in the wilderness those 40 years on their way to Canaan. So this is supposed to be a festival. It's a great, it's a time of celebration and rejoicing. The children of Israel were commanded not to weep or grieve, but to rejoice in these days. They were not to be sad and, and woe. No, they were to rejoice. They were to be excited. They were to celebrate. Why? Because they can remember what God had did for, the, for their, their, their patriarchs, for the family of God, for, for how He brought them out of Egypt and how they, He was with them in the wilderness. And um, uh, how did He do this? Uh, look at this. Nehemiah 8, 9 and 10 says, Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priests and teachers of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. What, why were they weeping? Because they were convicted to the heart. They were cut to the heart. You know, when you're hearing the word of God and it cuts you to the heart because of the sin you're living in, it, 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 it will cause you to weep if you're contrite in spirit. It will cause you to want to, 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 to like 
Get under a rock. Why? Because you know God knows your heart. He knows what you're doing. He knows how you're living. And that conviction is strong. And so while they were hearing the, the law of God being declared to them, they were seeing how they were not being right. This was in the time of Nehemiah. Uh, this is a time where they were in exile. They were taken from their land. This is many years after, the, after again, the wilderness experience. But this is a moment where Nehemiah is, is reminding them and restoring this festival to the children of Israel at that moment. And he begins to tell them, hey, don't mourn or weep for all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And this is what Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send uh, some, some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is, a ho- is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many times have you ever heard somebody say the joy of the Lord is your strength? Here we go. Why is the joy of the Lord your strength? Because, hey, he is, you're to remember what God has done in your life. And it brings joy because joy isn't based upon your circumstances. Joy is based on him, who he is and what he promised. And we know this about God, that whatever God says, he's going to fulfill. Whatever he promises, he's going to carry out. And so that we can have good news. And Israel had to rejoice. And so this was a time for them to remember and to rejoice and and not to be sad, but to celebrate. I mean, man, enjoy. You know, like right now, we're celebrating Independence Day. Many of us, uh, there are people right now uh, who chose not to be in church today and went out there to, to celebrate. And that's fine and all, all that. But first of all, we got to rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not, the, not our military, not our, inju- uh, our wisdom and all that, but God is the strength of America. It is God who strengthens America. It is God who can change America. It is God who can rescue America. It's not a man. It's not a government. It's not, an, it's not a party. It is God and Him alone. And, and we the people, when we turn to the, to, the, to the living God, God transforms our heart and then things begin to change around us. Things begin to change. We begin to, virtue begins to be restored to the people of the country when God is put in his proper place in our lives. And that is where we need to be. We ought to rejoice um, just as Israel did. They were rejoicing over the time that was happening. Uh, so they were, they, they were to use branches. So, so some of the ways that they, they were to do this, they were to use branches for, from luxurious trees like palms, willows, and other leafy trees, as we read. Uh, and they were to construct, construct these temporary shelters. You know, these temporary uh, shelters reminding them of their wandering in the wilderness. You know, in the wilderness, uh, they, that wasn't where they, that was not their home. They weren't staying there. They were, this was, they were there, they were passing through. Why? Because they were going to the promised land. Their promised land was awaiting them. It was in the wilderness, so God did not tell them to build houses and, and, and settle there. God had them have temporary shelters. And so this is a reminder of them, hey, thank God that we didn't stay in a desert, in a wilderness where there was nothing. God was taking us to a plentiful land, as they said, a land flowing with milk and honey, you know. God was going to bring them to a a better place, a place that was uh, lavish and and beautiful for them. And how, how about us as believers, those who put their trust in Jesus Christ? This is not our home. I love my country. I love my the land I live in. But my citizenship is in heaven. Amen. I belong to a different 
country and I'm awaiting a home. Amen. We're, we're, we're looking to the day that God calls us home. We're looking to a day when God brings a new earth and a new heaven where there will be no more weeping. There will be no more tears. There will be no more death. Death will be swallowed up in victory. You see, friend, everything that death has taken from you now will be destroyed one day. God will destroy death forever. Amen? God is going to get rid of death. And, and uh, just like Israel was to rejoice in that they were in a temporary state, we're in a temporary state that we may die on this, this life, that we may be going through this wilderness, this, this experience of, of trial and, and suffering. But it isn't over because there's a promised land awaiting us. There is a promise awaiting us. Hallelujah. To be with Him forever. And, and uh, so we gain God for that. So we don't have to be uh, just like them. We, we need to rejoice in that time that's coming. And you know what? Even as we're seeing the wickedness in our land and we're seeing the things that are taking place, you ought to rejoice because you know that your salvation is drawing near. You know that Jesus is at the door. You know that He's about to call us home. And we ought to rejoice. We had to have joy in our heart. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, they were to live in these temporary shelters. Uh, um, look, just like us, I, I want to remind you in Philippians 3, 20 through 21, it says, look, listen to this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Isn't that awesome? That we also are in a temporary shelter. This shelter is going to go back to dust. But praise God, we're going to be given a new body, a glorious body, just like Jesus. We're going to be, we're, we're, this, this perishable will be revived and resurrected imperishable. Glory to God. We're not going to be the same way. We're not going to stay how we are. This, 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 the, the sickness, the cancers and all that, that's going to be over with. Praise God. It's going to be over with. And just like Israel, we can rejoice. Even though we're not Jewish and we didn't go through a wilderness experience as Gentiles, we can rejoice because God delivered us from the sin of bondage. Uh, from the bondage of sin, excuse me. Um, they were to rejoice in remembrance that God is their provider. Listen how he provided for them. Uh, if, you, if you go back and you read in Exodus and you see how they went through this wilderness, God, uh, he provided them guidance. And he, how did he do this? He provided them a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. By day, wherever the cloud moved, the people would move. By the fire, wherever the fire went that evening, that's where they were at. That's why they couldn't take root. They had to have temporary shelters because God was going to bring them from place to place until they got to the promised land. And so God provided guidance for the people of Israel. And today, guess what? God for the Christian has provided guidance. Who is our guidance? The Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, it says the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. Amen. So God just like in their time, he's providing for you and me. He's our provision. He's always been our provision. He's your provision. He's providing guidance to you through his Holy Spirit, through the word of God. It is a light and a, and a lamp unto our feet. Amen. We need to look to him and the Holy Spirit will, will help us as Christians. 
um, just as much as they're rejoicing and, and the fact that God provided guidance for them, we ought to rejoice because God has given us the Holy Spirit. We have not been left as orphans, but God has given us his spirit. You're not alone. God has given us this Holy Spirit to, to, to be with us, to commune with us. And not only that, but he also provides for us physically. God provided for them physically. God provided them food. He provided them manna. <laughs> Why did they call it manna? Because they looked at it and said, what, manna really means, what is this? They'd never seen something like this before. It was bread from heaven. Remember, Jesus has been talking about, I'm the bread of life. Amen. Remember, Jesus uh, used that whole thing to remind them, I'm the bread that came down from heaven, that anyone who eats of me will live forever. And so Jesus is using all of these things to reveal his glory. If we're paying attention, if they were listening, if they were seeing what he was saying, if they were paying attention, Jesus was declaring he provided manna for them. Uh, you can find this in Exodus 16, 35. Uh, today as believers, God is, pro is our provider. We find this in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Um, one of my favorite passage, uh, one of my favorite verses to quote is Matthew 6, 33. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Why? Because God is concerned about what we need. He knows our needs. He knows what we need to, to be able to, to live. We don't need to be like the pagans. That means people that don't believe, people without faith. We don't need to be like them who, who are constantly, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I gonna, where am I going to be? No, we're to trust in God. We're to be faithful to carry out his will, and he's going to take care of our daily needs. He's going to make sure that we have food and clothing. He's going to make sure that we have a shelter over our head. God is faithful to his people, and they were to rejoice in that. They were to rejoice that God took care of them, that God provided them. He gave them manna in the morning, and he gave them meat for the day. And we thank God for that. And we ought to thank him every day. That he takes care of us. The meat he provided again in Exodus 16, 12. Uh, and, so, and also during the 40 years in the wilderness, the Lord did not let their clothes or sandals wear out. Can you imagine that? 40 years in a desert, leaving Egypt with, with just the clothes on your back and the, and, uh, the loot that they took because they, they looted them as well because God had delivered them with a mighty hand. The people of Egypt just take everything you can and just get out of here because your God is just destroying us. And so they took all the, 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 everything they could and they left with that. And God made sure that their sandals didn't wear out and their clothing for 40 years. Can you imagine the power of God? I mean, what, are, what, what about us? We, we think, oh man, I've had my shoe for, for two months and I need new ones. I mean, no, God will take care of you. We're worried about, oh man, I don't have any. No, God will take care of you. Trust in him and he will take care of you. Uh, I want to read that to you real quick in Deuteronomy 29, um, this, this particular uh, passage here. Hold on a minute. I hope this is helping you. I know it blessed me as I was reading it. It brought me joy. It brought joy in my heart. Uh, it says in, in Deuteronomy 29, verse 5, Yet the Lord says... During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so that you might know that I, the Lord, I am the Lord your God. And again, God 
was doing these things, was taking care of him. And he wants to take care of you to remind you that he is the Lord. There is no one else. You don't need government. You don't need anything. You need God. That is, you need Jesus. That's all you need. Amen. That's who we need. He will take care of us. He'll provide. The second point I want to look at. So we just looked at it was a time of remembrance. And now let's move on. Now that you understand a little bit of background of this festival and what was going on. Um, there were some other things about this festival I wanted to, to tell you about that we're going to uh, kind of mention later. Um, that uh, in, in Jesus' time, the Jews at, a, at this later time, they introduced two appendages to the original festival. The first thing they, they did is they, uh, that of drawing water from the pool of Siloam and pouring it upon the altar um, as a memorial of the water from the rock in Horeb. They did this, uh, you know, when Moses struck the rock and water gushed out for people to have something to drink of the children of Israel in that time of the wilderness. That took place. Uh, they also instituted this as well to, to be observed as a tradition um, of lighting the lamps at night, a memorial of the pillar of fire by night during their wanderings. So the, these massive candle lights or whatever would light up the whole city of Judea. I mean, it would be lit. like <laughs> Some people said it, would, it was almost like daylight, so much light that it, it brought forth with these massive candles. So... That's what would happen, and we're going to get into that because Jesus made reference to something there. I don't want to give it away. We'll get there next week, potentially. Um, so let's go into this, uh, go back to John chapter 7 here, and here's this situation. So this is coming up, this festival. Think about it. Everybody's supposed to do this. This is not, um, this is not supposed to be, well, if I, if I get around to it. No, no, no. This is a national festival of the nation of Israel. It is to be observed for generation to generation. It is not to be skipped. It is something that is required of those who are Israel, Israelites, those who are Jewish people. They were to observe this festival. And so there was no option. And, and, and it was a, a time where everybody's there, man. And everybody, who, who, whoever, who, all the who's are there. Who's who? They're all there. They're ready to celebrate. And look at what his brothers tell Jesus. In, in John chapter 7. But when the, the Jewish festival of tabernacle was near, this is verse uh, 2, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Well, Jesus was in Galilee, right? We saw that in verse 1. He's in Galilee. He didn't want to go into Judea because, hey, uh, he knew that the, lead, the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to, get him, to kill him. Guys, the, he, the, he was so, uh, he was aware of what was going on because he's God in the flesh. He knew the hearts of men. He knew they wanted to kill him. Why? Because he was testifying that their works were evil. He was testifying to the world. We're going to look at that. Because he was declaring the truth. Remember, later on in John, you're going to hear when Jesus is before Pilate, uh, Pilate tells him, this is, uh, Jesus tells Pilate, this is why I, was, why I came, to testify to the truth. Man. And, you know, it left Pilate like, well, what is truth? <laughs> it left him pondering. It left him thinking about that, you know. And here he is. He's being 
goaded into trying to go reveal himself by his own brothers who didn't even believe in him. They were trying to egg him on. Hey, you know, if you're if you're who you say you are, why don't you get out there and be and go do something? So his brothers were doing this. They were trying to get him out there because first of all, like I said, this was a feast that everybody was supposed to attend. It was not a you know, something that you shouldn't do or shouldn't do as an Israelite, you needed to be there and celebrate and rejoice. Why? It was a command from God to do. And it was instituted many, many years before this. And so this was a tradition. This was going to happen. It was going to be from generation to generation, perpetual. And so, again, and, and you know, look at what it says here. It says they didn't believe. And... <laughs> They were just like others by wanting him to do a sign to show who he was. You know, remember when Jesus drove the people out of the temple courts and, and they said, well, what sign will you show us to show us that you have this kind of authority? And Jesus is like, wait a minute. Destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And again, that blew their mind. They're thinking, wait a minute. They were thinking the natural. Why? Because the, 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 the man without the spirit of God is spiritually discerned they cannot understand jesus when he's talking to them about this why he spoke in parables and so they they were just like the others his brothers his own family was just like them wanting to see this sign and and look in their mind what better place and time to reveal yourself than in judea during the festival of tabernacles yet jesus would not allow himself to to be moved at their timetable or to try to prove anything to them you know, just like Jesus, in your life, there will be moments when your own family won't believe in what God is calling you to do. Did you know that? His, can you imagine your own siblings looking at you like, eh, I don't see that. Well, they do that. They, this is happening. And this is going to happen in your life. This isn't just on Jesus. This happens to any. Why? Because men are men and people are fickle and, and our faith wavers at times. And sometimes we don't see, we don't, we... We, we, we don't want to go through the trial. We don't want to go through the moments that we're in. We want to see the end, but that's not it. Faith isn't that. Faith is believing what you don't see yet and walking into, into what God has called you to be. And sometimes even those in your own household won't believe what God is calling you to do. Don't be moved or discouraged by their unbelief. Continue to trust and obey the Lord. And in his time, everything will be made clear. God will make everything clear. If you, if you follow the Bible, if you've read the Bible enough and you see the patriarchs, whenever God's, when, I, I love Abraham's story, his life. Abraham was told to get out of his country and leave his father and mother and go to a land which I will show you. That was all he was given. He said, I will make you a great nation uh, and, and anyone who blesses you will be blessed and those who curse you will be cursed. Abraham had no clue of any details. All he heard was get out, go I'm going to bless you, and those, who, and those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. I'm going to make you into a great nation. He had no children. It was just him and his wife, Sarah. And he begins to walk. And as he's walking, more and more, God begins to progressively reveal more of his plan to him. Why? Because if God shows you everything that you need to know at that moment, most of us will run away in terror. Because we can't hold it. We can't, we can't understand it. We can't. We're not God. Our hearts will, uh, will melt. Why? Because we know this can't be. We can't do that. I have no way of doing that. Well, you know what? In his time, God reveals. And look, you know what's powerful, too, about Abraham's story? Even in Abraham's mistakes, 
God continued to move him in the direction that he wanted him to go. And so in your life, trust the Lord. Continue to trust and obey him and God will make your path clear as you trust in him. Don't be discouraged. Don't allow the enemy and your flesh and even people in your own home, even people you may know, loved ones, to discourage you from what God has told you to do. Do it and God will bless you and God's presence will be with you. Do not be discouraged. Stand fast and know that the Lord will see you through. And Jesus reminds his brothers that there is a time for everything, but it's not when men think it should be. It's not when people think it should be. It's not when you say it should be. It's not what I say it should be. It's what God says it should be. Look what he says to them. He says in verse 6, Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you any time will do. Why? Because you're a natural person. For you any time to do. No, no. But there's a time and it isn't yet. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that his works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to the festival because my time has not yet fully come. Now, understand, Jesus is not saying he wasn't going to the festival uh, here. Uh, matter of fact, in uh, an actual other man manuscript, he says not yet. Uh, in NIV, it kind of puts I'm not going. But no, he wasn't going on their timetable. He was going to go on his own time and how he wanted to go. And we see that as we go on. Uh, in verse 10, however, after his brothers had left from the festival, he went also, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Jesus went in secret. He, he went to celebrate uh, just because he's, he's a Jewish man. He's to be there. He's to celebrate this, the festival of tabernacle. He is there as well, but he didn't want to do it in the way that men wanted him to do it. He did it in his way. And he began to walk. Why? Because he is going to do only what the Father tells him to do. And so he was just telling his brothers, I'm not going to do things that way. I'm going to do it the way that I think. He reminded his brothers that the world cannot hate them, but it hates him because he testifies that their works are evil. Let me tell you something. When you are a follower of Jesus Christ, when you truly are devoted to him, the world can, will not love you. They will hate you. Well, what do you, what do you mean, Pastor? What I mean is that the world system and the way this world goes and a person without the Spirit of God will not love you in, this, in the way that you ought to be loved because when you declare the gospel, the truth, you're testifying that their works are evil. And let me tell you, when you speak truth to someone, that you're either going to gain a friend or you're going to gain an enemy. And in this case, he's saying, hey, they, they ain't going to hate you because why? You belong to them. But those who belong to me, the world will hate you. Well, I mean, not everybody. No, it's, it's this. He is speaking in the sense that you need to understand that you're not of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of it. And because you're not of it and you're walking in light as I am in the light, now your, your way of living and your declaration of the truth exposes the darkness and exposes the evil in the world. And men are going to like that. Men are going to like to hear 
The sexual immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. The liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. Murderers will not inherit the kingdom of God. They don't want to hear that. They do not want to hear that. Why? Because you're saying their deeds are evil. But yet God calls us to be like Jesus. He didn't call us to, oh, well, only when it matters. No, the Bible says if you're ashamed of him and his words, he'll be ashamed of you before his father. So I want to encourage you this morning to not be discouraged by the unbelief of men around you. Do not be discouraged by anything else, but put your trust in him and celebrate and be glad in what God has done. You know what? The Bible commands us to you know, rejoice. Paul tells the people, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because we tend to not rejoice. We tend to get down. But the Bible says rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Rejoice that God has saved you. That God has took, taken you from death and brought you into life. That God has given you a hope and a future. Amen? celebrate that and remember that there's a day coming that he's going to call you home and this body of death will be shed and you'll be given a new body and we're going to see a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. So we can rejoice in that. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for that person right now who's hearing the word of God who, who may not believe and have just, man, has the Lord, Holy Spirit has really convicted you and caused you to really see, I want to pray for you. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit will continue to do a work right now in those who are listening and watching those right here in this room. God, I thank you, Lord. It's not a matter of what I'm saying. It's what the Spirit is revealing. And I thank you, Lord, that your Spirit is always at work, even though I can't see it with my physical eye, Lord. I trust your word above everything else, above my feelings, Lord, above what I can see. I trust you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that your presence right now will meet the person right here in this room, those who are watching, those who will be listening, that you'll meet them right where they are and that, God, they would repent of their sin, that they'll confess the Lord Jesus and believe in their hearts that, God, you raised him from the dead. And the Bible says they will be saved. God, you want to pour out your spirit upon them, Lord God. And so I pray, Father, today that that would happen in someone's life. I pray for the believer today who's discouraged God, I pray in the name of Jesus that they rejoice in the Lord their God, that they rejoice in Him always and know that, God, You are with them, that You have not forsaken them, Lord. You said, though, take heart for You overcame the world. And You promised, Lord, that You will be with us and You'll never leave us or forsake us, Lord. We can rejoice in the God of our salvation. Thank You, Lord, that there's a day coming that what You promise will be made uh, present in our life. We thank you for that, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, we want to thank you for joining us today. May God bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you. May He fill you with hope. Today, turn to Him if you haven't. And, uh, and if you are His, remember, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. God bless you. Happy Independence Day, America.